and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I've said before, and I will say again, probably numerous times, that Christ did not come to make bad people good or to make relatively good people better. Christ came to make dead people alive. Think about that after you've had brunch today. Well, in order to move in to what this day is all about, we have to lean in to a difficult subject, and that subject is death. Death is a fact, an inescapable reality. We wish we could avoid it. We seek to deny it in many ways. Death is also a great mystery. We don't know much about death. Death is not a vacation spot that you can go visit and then come back and tell all your friends how it was. No, death is more like a black hole. Scientists believe that there are things called black holes. You've heard of them, I'm sure. And in fact, the gravity is so great that not even light can get out of a black hole. And so if we were to ever go into one, we would never, ever return. And that's how death is. No one has ever been to death and come back except, we Christians believe, Jesus himself. And so, it's interesting to note that ancient people all over the world always believed that there was some sort of life after physical death. Christians would surmise that these ancient people, because they're made in the image of God, intuitively know that death can't be the end of life. Plato himself believed, in fact, that the soul survived after physical death and would leave this physical body, would leave this physical world, and would travel to a spiritual world, and that's where this life or consciousness would remain. Many people still believe something like that. But we need to be reminded today of what resurrection actually is. The Jewish hope and proclamation that developed and was present at the time of Jesus was resurrection. The belief that the God of Israel would raise people up bodily on the earth, the good earth that God made. God created the heavens and the earth and it was good. The God of Israel would raise up people bodily to have a restored life on earth And he would reign, and life would also reign. You can see the difference between some sort of soul survival and resurrection. And so, these early disciples of Jesus, when they confronted Jesus in his resurrected form, they didn't know what to say. Because someone who could appear and disappear... Someone who could uh, eat, someone who actually was dead but now was back in another form that no one had ever seen or experienced. What do you say about that? 
the disciples would just said, it happened. I was there. I saw it. I handled Jesus. Jesus invited people. Put your Put your fingers in the nails of my prince. Put, put your hand in my side. Jesus would even appear to his disciples and he would make a little charcoal fire and he would broil some fish for breakfast and he would eat with his disciples because Jesus said, look at me. I have flesh and bones. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a soul that has just survived somewhere in a heaven. No, he is a new form of humanity. God's new form of humanity where the divinity and the life of God so transforms his humanity that he is in a higher form and a new form that we have never seen on the planet or in the universe totally unique to Jesus, but they also believed that Jesus was something called the first fruits, meaning that he was the first in the same type of thing that would occur. So the first fruits of the crop were taken off and given to the Lord as an offering, but all that meant was there were going to be a whole bunch of other crops just like it that would need to be harvested. And so These Christians were unable, as we still are today, with human language, to state what exactly happened. It's something that we simply don't have an experience of, but it is believed. And that belief is what started the Christian faith. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no New Testament, no church, there would be no Christianity We wouldn't be here today. We would be having brunch and uh, some sort of cocktail already by now. But we're going to wait just a little bit before we do that. (laughs) Because we have something really good to celebrate, right? So these uh, early Jewish and Christian believers also knew that this was a sign that God's new creation, his new world, his new reign had already begun. And that it was in fact the reality that everything was moving towards and pointing towards. And that the realignment of their entire life to live according to this new reality. To live in Christ or to live by the spirit. The spirit that enlivened the body of Jesus and divinized it. That that was in fact the reason for their life. And so you can see the difference between just a soul surviving somewhere in a spiritual world versus resurrection, which is God's restoration of his creatures bodily and the creation being filled with divine life. So that's the difference. Well, uh, the second point is on Palm Sunday, we talked about how God in his infinite wisdom And with a bit of holy irony, took the symbol of Roman domination, the symbol of uh, imperial state power, the cross, the symbol of ownership. If you are here and Rome is in power, we own you. And if you step out of bounds too far, you'll end up on a cross and you'll be dead. And that will be the end of you because Rome is in charge here. 
God took that symbol of Roman state power and he made it the Christian sign. He made it the cross. He made it the place where Jesus won the victory over sin. He made it the place where the Lord and his glory was enthroned. The place where he bore all the sins of the world in order to forgive them all and to begin this new creation. He took that sign of the cross as the means of initiating and inaugurating a whole new covenant of forgiveness for us, for Jews and for Gentiles, for the entire world. God took that awful, terrible sign and totally flipped it and made it his own. He made the cross the victory of God. Well, the same thing happened with death. Death, early Christian theologians tell us, is not a punishment from God for sin. It is a consequence of the abuse of our own freedom of pulling ourselves away from the source of life and love, who is God. And when we pull ourselves away from the source of life and love, death enters in. And so death is a consequence of the abuse of our freedom, ancient theologians would tell us. God used death that God did not create, but God used death to go into death in order to destroy it. What do I mean by that? There is language in our liturgy today that talks about that Jesus, by his death, destroyed death. What does that mean? That does not mean that we no longer have to die because we will die. We've inherited that corruptibility, that inevitability of death by our parents and in this creation. We will die physically. But Jesus, in fact, descended from the cross into the place of the dead. And as he descended from the cross into the place of the dead in his own death, Because he is joined with God in one person forever, God entered death. And if you need to work out the logic of that, we can point you to some places to read up on it. But the whole way that we conceive of Jesus destroying death is that he took God into death with him when he died. And unlike a black hole, he pushed out the back end of death And now death for us, physical death, is a passageway and an entrance into eternal life. And guess what? Who will be waiting for us at the end of that passageway of death but Jesus himself? Glorified, divinized, full of power and life and love. And he will greet us and he will call us by name. He will say, welcome, Bill. Welcome, June. Welcome, Judy. Welcome, Andrew. Whatever your name is, he will be greeting you on the other side of that passage of physical death because God's that good and God is that loving. That is the Christian truth and the Christian message. I believe that it is true with all of my heart. Now, uh, the Reverend Sam Todd, who is a priest that was here on some Wednesday, Wednesday nights with us, wrote a really fantastic little book about the Christian faith. 
And he reminds us that Christ's resurrection means that it's possible for human life to be so infused with the divine life that it is transformed into eternal life. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Let me say this again. Christ's resurrection means that it is possible for human life, our real human life, to be so infused with the divine life that it is transformed into eternal life. And that's exactly what is going to happen to each one of us. Yes, indeed. If you are baptized and you've received the Spirit, if you've been placed into Christ, if you have died and have risen with Christ, your human life, your real human life, will be so infused with the divine life that you will become eternal life. You will participate in that because Jesus already is eternal life and you will share in that eternal life and become that yourself. And so that is the goal that the entire Christian life is headed towards. That's what we're doing here. We're here to continue to hear God's word, to continue to receive the spirit, to continue to receive his risen life in the bread and the wine of the Eucharist until our physical life, our internal life is so infused with the divine life that we are prepared for eternal life with God and Christ forever and ever. Now, these bodies, these bodies are on their way to death. These physical bodies have to go through death. But our inner nature is being renewed day by day by Christ and the Spirit. And so that's what's happening. Well, uh, this gives us great hope, great hope for our loved ones who have already moved through that passage to death. The Christian answer is that Jesus has already met them on the other side. Because God's that good, God's that powerful, God is that loving, and the humanity of Jesus is infused with the divine life of God and has become eternal life, and he will welcome your loved ones. He will welcome us as we move through this same passage. So what does this mean for us now? What does this mean for us now? What this means is, is that we know where everything is headed. We know by faith, by confidence, by trust, what is going to happen later. God's life, God's kingdom, God's love is going to reign in this world. It's going to be glorious. We, we run out of language very quickly to describe it, but we trust that it is going to be the best thing ever, better than any Easter on earth, I assure you. And it's going to go on forever and ever also. So we want to align ourselves. We want to make an investment now in becoming who we're going to be in the future. We don't want to invest in some sort of Confederate money, right? Because Confederate money doesn't really have any value. Just think if you made a business deal and you said, yeah, I'm going to make a million dollars in Confederate money. Well, you're going to find out quickly it's really not worth very much and you really got taken. Well, if we spend our lives 
chasing after things that don't matter, things that are not important, things that are not good for us or good for others, we're going to miss out on aspects of this reality and this kingdom. And so we're called to align ourselves to do God's will, to cooperate with the Spirit, to listen to what Jesus says, and to live his life now, to be generous, to be forgiving, to love people who don't deserve it, to be respectful in all of our dealings with everyone, regardless of whether we agree with them or not, or whether we care for them and like them a lot. It is to be the type of person that you already know God wants you to be. But it is now that we choose it, not because we're going to get a grade in Humanity 101, like, oh, great, I got a B. I can live with that. I can live with a B and being a nice person. It's not about that. It is about becoming like Christ. Because Christ is the reality that we are headed for. There's no alternate reality. We can't choose and say, well, I want to go to this heaven. I want to do this. I want to do that. We don't know, but believe me, whatever we are going to become, we're going to be like Christ, but we will be ourselves. We will be more fully ourselves than we ever have been in this life. And so, as we contemplate these things... As we seek to receive Christ and the Spirit, as we seek to walk and become more and more like Christ, to fulfill and move towards the reality that awaits us, the reality of the kingdom, the reality of resurrection and new creation, let us remember today to love one another, to open our hands to receive his risen life, to receive it into ours to be empowered to love one another and do his will. And I will finish this sermon with the same way that I began it. Christ did not come to make bad people good or to make relatively good people better. Christ came to make dead people alive. Amen.